0: Welcome to the Neurology Nuts and Bolts podcast, all about constructing your career in neurology. I'm your host, Sarah Schaefer from the Yale School of Medicine. Today, as part of the Types of Careers series, we will be speaking about working at the U.S. Department of Defense with Dr. Anna Claire Meyer, who is a neuroinfectious disease physician. Full disclosure, Anna Claire and I actually worked together a long time ago when I was a resident. Thank you for joining us, Anna Claire. It's been a long time. It's been too long, and good morning, Sarah. I want to start with some of your background to just give us a better idea of how you got to the Department of Defense. Can you tell us about the jobs that you had leading up to that position? Sure. So I was a neurology
1: resident, pretty traditional at the Partners Neurology Program. And after that, I did a fellowship at the UCLA Um, And that was at the Veterans Affairs UCLA Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholars Program, which was really a program designed to develop physician leaders um, focused on improving access and quality of care. And from there, I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. I had always had an interest in global health, and my subspecialty interest was in infectious disease, and so really started out my career as an academic focused on global health research. So I was based in East Africa, primarily in Kenya for almost seven years, doing research on different neuroinfectious disease topics, including HIV-associated cognitive
0: impairment, cryptococcal meningitis, and sister psychosis and epilepsy. And how did you get to the Department of Defense from there? It's definitely off the beaten path a little bit, very niche career choice. What prompted you to make the change?
1: Yeah, no, it was a very sort of serendipitous event, to be honest. Obviously, I was at Yale, where we met as a professor, and somebody that I had worked with in Kenya who worked for the Department of Defense stopped by and told me about the position that was open. So I think what people don't really recognize is the Department of Defense is one of the biggest investors in global health in the US, um, particularly in product development. They typically invest through public-private partnerships. So they work together with a pharmaceutical company to develop products that really are designed to protect the health and safety of our service members um, while deployed. Or at home. And, you know, for me, it was kind of an opportunity to continue to do the work that I had expertise in, which was global health. It was an opportunity to serve my country. I'm a pretty patriotic person, which most people may not know about me. And, you know, I think the other piece was it was really an opportunity to do work that was meaningful for, you know, the men and women of our armed forces who are out there really you know, putting their lives on the line to defend all of us. And so, you know, that was sort of how I ended up there. And the work was really rewarding. What I did do was work on clinical trials and product development across kind
0: of the whole spectrum of the kinds of products that are needed for military medicine. You're right. It's not a connection that I would make in my head when I'm thinking of the Department of Defense. I'm not thinking about global health and medicine. Uh, So it's interesting that they're big investors in this and that they have career paths for medical doctors like yourself. What was your day-to-day like and your week-to-week like when you were working there? You said you worked on some clinical trials. What did that actually look like? Were you traveling? Were you working directly with armed service members? Were you mostly in the D.C. area, working in an office? So I was based at the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, which
1: is headed, the headquarters is in Fort Detrick, Maryland. So I was based there. I did travel a lot. The role typically of the government is to provide technical oversight to programs. At MRDC, which is the, the acronym for my command, we also had labs where research is done Um, So we had physicians, we had PhD scientists, both in uniform and civilian that did a lot of work. I worked up more in kind of research administration and really worked as a technical advisor to the person who was in charge of all of our public-private partnerships to do development of drugs, vaccines, um, new blood products, medical devices, as well as um, operational medicine products, which are kind of like occupational health for for a civilian
0: context. Was all of your work focused on the medical care and protection of service members? Or does the work that's done at the Department of Defense in medicine also kind of extrapolate to community medicine, either in the US or abroad? So yes and no. (laughs) Obviously, the focus is going to be on products that are important for our
1: service members. That's the overall mission of the organization is, you know, to advance military medicine and and to protect the health and safety of our service members. Yeah, I sort of, I shared with you kind of my first position. My second position was as a advisor to our commanding general at MRDC. And there, you know, I provided sort of technical advice across our whole spectrum. And so the whole command did a number of different things. So there is a program called the Congressionally Directed Medical Research Program that is around 1.2 billion dollars a year that is provided in funding as grants, similar to the way NIH would provide grants to external investigators. That program is focused both on health and safety of military service members, but also their family members and the American public. It's a kind of underutilized resource, as I have talked to my. Fellow colleagues in in academics. So, I mean, I think for folks who have interests that are aligned in that direction, it's a really great program that I think people aren't all that aware of. And they actually do research in everything from breast cancer to prostate cancer to tuberous sclerosis, dementia, as well as military medicine topics. And then, you know, our command had labs all over the world. Um, that focus on everything from infectious disease, combat trauma and surgical care, operational medicine, aviation medicine, and then they also do work in kind of global areas. So there are labs abroad as well that focus on topics kind of relevant to those areas. you know, but I think our military service members are just like us, so they have the same health problems in many cases that we do. They just, happen to have them in places that are very remote and difficult to get to and often resource poor. And that, I think, is the other link that kind of connects them back to a lot of global health work, um, because that's the same kind of environment I had sort of spent most of my career in academics working in, both conducting research and and
0: developing products
1: for that kind of environment.
0: And you mentioned some of the other physicians and medical personnel that you worked with. Can you talk a little bit about the broader medical community within the department of defense what was kind of the medical environment i
1: mean so interestingly in at our headquarters i was one of very few physicians i think during the 5 years that i was there there was maybe one other physician that worked at the headquarters so it was really an interesting experience and for me kind of my first professional one where i didn't work all with physicians so certainly in academics and when you're attending in the hospital you're working with pretty much only physicians or other healthcare professionals. Up at the headquarters, I think there was, yeah, one other physician. We had a lot of combat medics and other healthcare professionals, but very few physicians. I think for you know neurologists looking for careers, there are a lot of opportunities in the research space, primarily focused on traumatic brain injury, if you have a real interest in military medicine. The career paths for physicians in the Department of Defense are a couple for civilian physicians, so I'll just differentiate. You know, folks who are in uniform, it's a very different path, so I won't speak to that. Um but for a civilian physician, there are kind of three different ways to be engaged. One is really as a physician providing care. I think folks don't often understand that the Department of Defense provides health care as well directly to service members and their families through an organization called the Defense Health Agency. So there's sort of regular jobs at a hospital that you could work at under the Defense Health Agency. And those are separate from Veterans Affairs Hospital. It's a different department in, in the government, which I think many of us forget our civics lessons and what are different departments and et cetera. But it's a different different um, career path than the VA. So there are um, Defense Health Agency physicians. There is actually a university called the Uniform Services University of Health Sciences that has physicians as well. And then there are the Department of Defense and Army labs. I worked under the U.S. Army, um, but there are Navy labs as well and Air Force. And each of the the various labs focuses on different topics, obviously, as you might imagine. Air Force labs are very focused on aviation medicine. Navy, for example, um, has a lot of work on, you know, undersea uh, medicine and sort of related topics and the army is pretty broad just because of the the spectrum of different environments that they work in. So then there's regular researcher jobs. You know, I think The difference between doing research in academics and doing research um, in the government is that in some ways you have less of a say over your specific topics, you know, priorities, whether you, you know, work at NIH or at CDC or at the Department of Defense, which are other places where physicians can conduct research in the government, you know, your general priorities and topics are often set based on the priorities of the organization that you work for, right? Right. So like, you couldn't go to CDC and do research in maybe a rare pediatric disorder because they're a public health-focused organization. Similarly, for Department of Defense, um, you would work on kind of overall topics that are a priority to the Department of Defense. But within that spectrum, I think the amount of freedom that you have is really quite amazing. And you don't have to write grants. (laughs) So I think that would be the huge plus for those of you Or in academics and... Uh, Plus, 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 plus. (laughs) Yeah. There's obviously a prioritization process and and a review of the work that you do, but it's certainly, it's, it's just not like writing grants as an academic, which you spend a lot of your time doing.
0: That's a wonderful overview. Thank you. How does the pay and benefits compare to jobs in the private sector or in academics? So for folks considering jobs in the government, it's a very Different process, both
1: for recruitment and hiring, as well as negotiating your salary, than it is either in the private sector or in academics. Um, so there are base salaries that are structured, and they're based on your seniority and the role of your position. However, um, so if you you know ever look at a job, and all the jobs are posted on USA Jobs, um, if you ever Look at one of those jobs, you'll look at the salaries and they look not at all competitive with academics or the private sector. And the reason for that is that all the jobs as posted are posted by regulation for the salary range for that level of position, right? So for folks who are familiar or not familiar, all the government has, there's something called the, the GS scale, which sort of lays out what your your salary band would be. However, for physicians, because those salaries would not at all be competitive just as the base salary, there are additional um, ways of providing physicians competitive compensation. I would say it's certainly going to be less than the private sector because it is the U.S. government, but probably comparable to many academic positions. The benefits working for the U.S. government are pretty amazing. I mean, there are pensions, which is one of the few places in the world that still has a has a, has a pension. All the sort of day-to-day benefits like healthcare and things like that are very generous for probably what most people focus on are the retirement benefits.
0: Great. Given your experience, what types of positions and areas of focus in medicine or neurology would you suggest might prompt someone to consider working for the DOD or the government in general as uh, having them as a potential employer? Yeah. So careers
1: across the U.S. government are pretty diverse. There are a number of different options. Um, The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is obviously part of the government that is focused on public health. Jobs for neurologists would be mostly focused on topics around infectious disease But there are a lot of other opportunities, for example, in child health or health of the elderly that might be of interest um, to neurologists. The second and the one folks are probably most familiar with are the National Institutes of Health. They have the centers and institutes of the NIH. And so those positions for physicians are really around setting policies um, for research or administering research programs. So all the grants, for example, that you apply for There's usually a physician who helped set up the topic and the process for applying for that grant. Um, In addition, NIH has its own research hospital and has a small research group. Their group is focused on sort of rare neurologic disorders and, and neurologic infectious disease. And then there are the Departments of Defense and the Departments of Veteran Affairs. Department of Veteran Affairs is probably also one that folks are pretty familiar with. There, they have positions that are either very focused in clinical care or research position positions that would be very similar to an academic position. The Department of Defense is pretty, um, pretty varied. Um, I'll focus there on jobs for civilians, so not folks who are active duty, but for physicians, there are jobs in Department of Defense hospitals um, under the Defense Health Agency. There are research positions, either Air Force, Navy, or Army. I worked for the U.S. Army, and so, for example, for neurologists, we had a number of different topics. So we have a lab that's focused on environmental medicine, and so the cognitive impacts. You know, think environmental stress is a is an interest of uh, the command that I came from. There is the uh, U.S. Army Institute of Surgical Research. So for neurosurgeons or people who are interested in neurologic trauma, and that those are topics that they are interested in. We have the U.S. Army Air Medical Research Laboratory, which was also under our command, and they focus on aviation medicine. They also do a lot of work on sort of cognitive loading for pilots. We have two that are focused on chem defense. So one of them is the U.S. Army Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, and the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of uh, Chemical Defense. So for folks that are interested in sort of chem bio, defense topics, there are two labs that focus on that. And then we have the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, and they focus on infectious disease broadly, as well as traumatic brain injury, particularly the milder forms. And then there was Kind of the I worked at the headquarters level, but there is another lab called the US Army Medical uh, Medical Material Development Activity and their role was really to partner with private industry to develop medical products. They so they worked primarily on later stage clinical trials and their their focus was really helping kind of foster and guide that work and provide funding and other, you know, we collaborate in a number of different ways. This so One is by providing funding, other is by sort of contributing in kind. So partnering with industry to develop products that are really of interest to, to military medicine. And as I kind of noted earlier, often to either American public and particularly for for providing care in resource-limited settings.
0: So you have since moved on to other pursuits from the Department of Defense. Looking back, what did you find that you liked the best about your experience there?
1: And so here I should say all of these views are my own and do not represent the views of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. Army. These are just my own personal thoughts and really for all, all of the topics that we've talked about today. I mean, for me moving on was really because I missed doing science. So I would say one of the challenges in the position the two positions that I held were were that they were advisory positions. So you get to learn a lot of amazing science you don't necessarily get to do any. And so for me I really missed doing that and so started looking for you know opportunities to to go back to doing what I trained to do and what I'm passionate about, which is working on neurological disorder. So currently I work as a medical director for Denali Therapeutics. That is a biotech company in San Francisco, and we are focused on developing new therapies for neurodegenerative disorders. And um, I work on a project and lead a project um, developing a new therapeutic for Alzheimer's disease.
0: All right. Well, thanks for this great overview. Do you have any additional advice for anybody that might have had their interest piqued in working for the US government or the Department of Defense?
1: For me, it was a really wonderful experience. Now, of course, it is the government. And so not surprisingly, there's some bureaucracy that you have to deal with. And every work environment has its own challenges. But I mean, I will say it was a really wonderful place. Working with, you know, men and women who are serving in our armed forces was an amazing experience. They're an incredibly dedicated and inspiring group of individuals. So for me, that was an amazing part of the job. Obviously, many things I can't share in detail because they are government business, but I think people don't often consider jobs in the government. The folks that do sort of end up there, often end up there by accident, but it's a really wonderful place to have a career. I think you have opportunities to grow that you don't necessarily have in academics. You have an opportunity to have impact on a much broader scale. I mean, I told you our budget is when I left around $2.6 billion a year. We were really involved in The COVID response. So, you know, serving my country by helping make sure we were prepared um, for COVID was an experience that's unforgettable. So, I think you have. it, It seems like a very most people don't quite understand what it is that you do there. And I would just encourage folks to to talk to people that they meet who work in different government agencies to see if it's the right fit for them. I don't think academics is right for everyone. I had an amazing time as an academic, but it wasn't something that. I think I realized was what I wanted to do for my whole life. Um, There are parts of academics that I love. There are parts of academics that I don't love so much. And so I feel like just keeping an open mind and talking to people and networking to see if there are places that are, you know, that might be of interest. And um, certainly for those of us who love living in this country, it's also an opportunity to serve your country um, in different ways. Um, So just encourage folks to, to explore those options.
0: And that's exactly why we do this podcast, right to give people uh, a little bit of a window into things that they might not be getting exposure to and just a little plug here because we are planning a podcast upcoming in the in the next couple months on uh neurologists in uniform and the the ways that they construct their careers as well as uh sometime in the future we'll of course be talking to some folks working at the vA. Thank you so much for taking your time this morning. Um, It's quite early where you are, but uh, to come talk to us. And and I appreciate your your insights and, and your unique perspective. Wonderful.
1: Thanks so much, Sarah.
0: Neurology Nuts and Bolts podcast was created and produced by myself, Sarah Schaefer. This podcast is not recorded as an official podcast of any institution or organization. The podcast is unfunded. Opinions are those of the individual participants. Music by Audrey Nath. Artwork by Shivani Goshal, Want more content like this? Be sure to subscribe to the Neurology Nuts and Bolts podcast wherever you get your podcasts to hear more about constructing your career in neurology. Follow us on Twitter at NeuroBolts and on Facebook at Neurology Nuts and Bolts to stay up to date on new content and give us feedback on what you want to hear and tell your friends. Thanks for joining us.